0: It's good to be with you at whatever time you're watching this. Um, It's especially good to be looking together at Mark, which is the gospel we studied to begin our first year of women's Bible study over 30 years ago. Mark's freshness, vitality, and excitement over Jesus and the good news that he came to bring still invigorate every page, and I hope it will continue to invigorate our hearts As we dig in this year. In his relatively short gospel, Mark has already spent a lot of time recounting Jesus' healings and miracles. In chapter 1, casting out a demon, healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and healing many sick and demon-possessed one evening in Capernaum. In chapter 2, he healed the paralytic whose friends lowered him through the roof of a house. In chapter 3, he healed a man with a shriveled hand on the Sabbath. In chapter 4, he calmed a troubled sea. And earlier in chapter 5, he healed the poor man who had been plagued with demons for years. In our passage today, Mark continues to highlight Jesus' miraculous healings. But this time, he spends a lot more time focusing on the link between those miracles and the faith of those who sought them. To me, this was a deeply encouraging examination of how Christ responds to our faith, however imperfect, and responds to us as frail, flawed, and struggling human beings. He always intends to give us more than we seek and to leave us stronger spiritually than when we started. So if this passage has more of a focus on faith, what exactly is faith? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, For without faith it is impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 teaches, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, faith is the spiritual link that connects us to God and his blessings. It is not something that we can muster up in our own strength. It is a gift, which is an indication that God was already at work in Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. Martin Luther said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. It is so sure and certain that a man could stake his life a thousand times on it. I think Luther is reflecting on a mature and seasoned faith, while Jairus and the woman were starting with a much more feeble faith. But for for both of them, It was a faith born out of desperation. But as Kent Hughes writes, despair is commonly a prelude to grace. So let's see how that happened for these two. It begins as Jesus arrives at Capernaum, where he has done miracles before. And he is therefore eagerly greeted by basically a mob of people. This is quite a contrast to the garrisons on the the eastern side of the lake, who had asked him to leave after he healed the demoniac and let the demons enter a herd of pigs and destroy them. From out of this crowd comes Jairus, a prominent lay leader of the local synagogue. He was powerful, probably rich, well-connected, and despite all that, completely desperate. He wasn't known as a follower of Christ at that point, but with respect for Christ's power and deeply aware of his own inability to do anything for his only daughter, he begs Jesus to come to his house and heal her, and Jesus immediately starts to go with him. But the crowd, so eager for excitement, slowed them down. And then, in the midst of that crowd, another very different character is introduced. This is a woman who has been bleeding without a break for 12 years. One writer said that it was probably a chronic uterine hemorrhage. Whatever it was. It was debilitating, and more than that, it had rendered her ceremonial uncle- ceremonially unclean, so that she was banned from the synagogue and barred from other normal social interactions because she would make anyone who touched her unclean as well, as you can see in Leviticus 15, 25 to 27. This made me think somewhat of the isolation that's been required by the pandemic. But this lasted for 12 years and uniquely subjected her to rejection, shame, judgment, and loss after loss. If she had been married at one time, she probably had been divorced because of this. She had no one. And on top of that, she had tried every cure, every doctor, spent all her money to no avail, and felt worse instead of better. This poor woman was completely shocked. One of my daughters-in-law has battled severe autoimmune disorders since she was a college sophomore, more than half her life, more than 20 years. I could not help thinking of her and the faith that she and my son have needed to keep going. They too have explored many medical options And they, too, have had some cruel and expensive disappointments. But God has held on to them, even when it was hard for them to hold on to him. This woman in the crowd had nothing left to lose. And then there came Jesus. She was desperate enough to try one last thing. She thought that if she could just touch his robe, it might be enough to heal her. And it was. Despite the fact that this woman's faith was somewhat superstitious, basically magical and mechanical, definitely impersonal. She was immediately and completely healed. Amazing, right? For such a poor quality faith. But while Jesus graciously healed her, he had more in mind for her than she had for herself. He did not want her to think that his power had somehow leaked out of him without his knowledge. He did not want her to think that she could sneak a physical healing and thereby miss out on the fact that he was offering him, offering her himself, not just a dose of his power. John Calvin writes, God deals kindly with his own. To accept her faith, though it be imperfect and weak, he does not impute to her the failures and faults which are involved in it. Because of that, Jesus wants her to come forward and acknowledge what has happened. He asks, and then he waits the woman probably had a lot of shame and embarrassment to tell a crowd like this, what her suffering had been after 12 years of rejection. But also she may have been sure of Christ's power, but less sure of his willingness to know her and love her. Would he take the healing back if she fessed up? That fear is, is what Jesus wants to dispel. She did not need to rely on secrecy and stealth. Jesus wanted her to know that he had a tender heart for her as a person. Her healing was no impersonal transaction as if he were a spiritual ATM. So she had to summon her courage and faith face Jesus, and tell the truth about what had happened. In response, Jesus welcomes her tenderly and personally. She is the only one in the Gospels that he calls daughter, establishing that she is in a new and intimate relationship with him. Christ makes it clear that it was her faith that led to her healing not just a physical touch. And it was her confession in front of the crowd that would lead her to experience that healing's full reward, that faith's full reward. An eternal relationship with him, peace of heart, mind, and body going forward with no need to be haunted by the idea that she stole her healing. Christ wanted her to know that he gave it willingly and he gave her himself in the same way. I'll come back to this woman, but for now, let me ask you, are you, are you tempted to approach Jesus as this woman did? Do you ask for results rather than relationship? Are you convinced that he has the power to help you? but not sure that he has the heart to love you? Or might it be that you're not sure that you have the heart to love and trust him? Do you feel like it's safer and you have more control if you keep him at a distance? Certainly, I have seen that in myself. But really, it is the mercy of God that encountering Jesus will make it harder for us to think that way and to react that way. This is a battle we really do not want to win. Let the Lord win. Admit your struggle and give him your trust so that you can have the fuller relationship with him that he wants to give you. Now let's get get back to poor Jairus. On the one hand, his faith must have grown by seeing the healing of this woman. But on the other, the time it took must have been incredibly stressful. And just as his hopes rose because of the woman, they crashed to the ground with the news that his daughter had died. It's hopeless now. Or is it? Jesus immediately urges him, don't be afraid. Keep on believing. Your faith got you here, so keep going with me. Donald Gray Barnhouse pointed out that Christ's willingness to help one person does not interfere with his ability to help another. Though we can often think that way, right? He adds, Jairus would need faith to wait. But the delay would only magnify the blessing. Went from healing to resurrection. Do we have the confidence that God can do greater things than we originally asked? Jesus was calling Jairus to a radical advance of his faith. But Jesus was also basically holding his hand. And he holds out his hand to us too. Jesus dismisses the curious crowd and brings only Peter, James, and John with him. He dismisses the professional mourners at Jairus' house, whose shallow, paid-by-the-hour laments and cynicism about his power do not entitle them to witness a miracle. Only the parents and the three disciples were present when Jesus took the dead girl by the hand And called her back to life. His touch cleansed and revived her. And the witnesses were amazed with great amazement. Now when Jesus refers to the little girl as asleep. He's not saying that she's not really dead. It is parallel to John 11.11. Where Jesus says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but I am going there to wake him up. Lazarus was really dead, but Jesus brought him back to life. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 and five ten, Paul refers to dead believers as asleep, able to be awakened when Jesus returns in glory and calls them from the grave to newness of life. So what can we learn about faith from this passage? It really challenges what some people will tell you, that you must have perfect, mature, unwavering faith before God will have anything to do with you. Yes, we are urged in James 1, 5 to 8, to have faith and not to waver, doubt, or be double-minded. And of course, we see Jesus here leading both Jairus and the woman, to that same kind of faith. But neither one started out that way. John Calvin said that Jesus started with the merest trickle of faith. And when his faith was exhausted, Christ does not reject it because it is weak. We can call on him in our weakness. Isaiah 42.3 says, A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench. As another desperate father said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is a prayer that God always says yes to. So ask him. In August, I received the disappointing news that my cancer had returned and I would need chemotherapy. I'd like to say that I immediately responded with strong and joyful faith, but that is not how I felt. I had enough faith from the past two years of this illness to ask God to carry me and help me. But I was definitely not going from glory to glory. A friend said to me, well, I can see that you are walking by faith. And I said, well, Maybe crawling by faith. And sometimes all you can manage is a face plant by faith. But if your faith is on the ground in God's direction and you are asking for his help, he will get you where you need to be. As John, as Jesus says in John 6 37, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. That is our hope. He is our hope, no matter what he sends and no matter where he calls us to go. Either he will be with us in this life or we will be with him in the next. And either way, we are safe, loved, and cared for by him. Now remember that Satan would love to discourage you by telling you that your faith isn't good enough for God to respond to you. So you may as well give up. That is not from the Lord. Never. Ask the Lord to give you more of that gift of faith to follow him. Don't give up or hold back in fear because your faith is weak or imperfect. Kent Hughes urged, Fear only that you will let him pass by without asking for his help, like so many in the crowd did who got nothing. How will it be with you? How does God strengthen my faith when it needs to be strengthened? First, as I acknowledge my need and my dependence on him to provide that faith. So that's prayer. It's also the intercessory prayers of others in the body of Christ. Hymns and worship music also feed my faith. But I would say digging into the word and preparing this talk was especially helpful in my recent struggle. D.L. Moody, a famous evangelist in the late 1800s, had this to say. I prayed for faith and that's and thought that someday faith would come down to strike me like lightning. But faith did not seem to come. One day I read the 10th chapter of Romans. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had up to this time closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible And began to study. And faith has been growing ever since. God's word has power to reach our hearts and grow our faith. God promises that. So dig in to the word. Finally, let me point out that there is one person in this story who had no faith at all. That was the little girl. She was blessed by the prayer and faith of others. This daughter was raised from death to life because of her father's persistent prayers of faith. J.C. Ryle asks, Do you have a dead soul in your family? God calls us all from the grave, and not one lamb will be missing. That is our hope. As we pray for lost loved ones. As Lloyd Ogilvie said of Jairus, Christ places in our expectant hearts the hope that he can do something. We can pray boldly, knowing that the hope came from him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your promise that faith is a gift from God. We thank you for the fact that if we ask, you will give us the faith that we need. You will carry us to the place where we need to go. And you will complete your work in us, giving us more than we even have the faith to ask. Thank you for your compassion and tenderness to our weak, flawed, fragile faith. Lord, we ask that you would... Just inhabit our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Strengthen and encourage us to trust you, to surrender our hearts and our lives to you, and let you do the work that you want to do in us. We thank you that you promise to complete that work in us, and we just pray for the faith to open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.